section six of travels to oaxaca by nicholas joseph thierry de menonville an anonymous translation from the french this librivox recording is in the public domain on the margin of the sea skimming incessantly over the waves and the shore is seen a species of laris or gull which has the gait and flight of a snipe but which is scarcely half its size and of a grayish blue plumage does a temporal make its appearance or a shark seek its prey in the port instantly swarms of little fish smaller than our gudgeons throw themselves out of the water onto the sands then does this little gull after a most amusing spectacle as it pounces down with the rapidity of lightning from the regions of air rises again and repeats this evolution incessantly for the space of a quarter of an hour i once had the curiosity to reckon the descents of one of these little birds in the lapse of seven minutes i counted eighty it is indeed true that its extreme impatience oftentimes causes the loss of its prey but nothing can be conceived more admirable than its excellent management and dexterity in seizing the fish at the surface of the water without even moistening its wing the boys in the sea and the bowsprits of the vessels of the port are covered with onocrotalus the pelican with a large craw denominated by Linné the true pelican boobies and ducks of every species on shore the rivulets and marshes are inhabited by swarms of spoonbills four species of storks as many of divers and coots and snipes more than twice the size of those that are seen in europe the meadows are covered with beautiful starlings of a black colour with the shoulders and half the wing a blood red on the bushes and hedges the male and female heron appear to form three species equally rare in their kind the male from the splendid hues of its plumage and the female from the blue mantle which forms its summer garb and which in winter changes to gray here too is seen the cardinal as bright and shining a red as that of louisiana its song not so varied nor so melodious as that of the nightingale is yet as powerful and as bold here a lark of the size and color of the whitwall or golden thrush but more handsomely feathered and of sweeter song than our european lark the ramphastos toucan whose beak marked with yellow and black is longer than its body from head to tail honeysuckers or hummingbirds trochili of all colors and of various size one species of them which soars aloft in air singing like the rising lark has its head and belly which it proudly displays of a scarlet color in another species it is of the most splendid azure in the woods are found a kind of partridge as large as and of plumage much resembling that of our guinea fowl another species no larger than quails cracks or ocos of two species with crops and crests of the color of wax as large as turkeys and truly a royal dish 
green parrots no larger than sparrows macaws amazonian parrots of a green and yellow hue four kinds of turtle doves in which class is that species denominated ortolans by the colonists of santo domingo vast numbers of bulls and cows almost in a wild state rove through the forests a species of rabbit makes these likewise its haunt it is smaller but in far greater plenty than with us bucks and does more than two feet high are here so common that venison is sold in the markets at only three reals the pound tortoises are very numerous land crabs too as large as a man's head which leave the forests for the town penetrate into the houses and climb into the granaries another species is met with so audacious that when surprised instead of attempting to escape raised on two claws it defends itself with the others a kind of squirrel much larger than ours and perfectly of an ash color is another inhabitant of the sylvan kingdom with iguanas or lizards which grow to the prodigious size of two feet in length by ten inches in breadth and furnish an exquisite dish for those not affected with venereal complaints finally the sea swarms with fish of most delicious flavor which are sold almost for nothing in the markets such are the riches i remarked in this country where my stay was limited to but one season and where on this account and owing to the important object of my mission i was enabled to pursue my remarks to no greater length such are the objects it presents so worthy of the curiosity of a naturalist and so well calculated to render interesting a sojourn at vera cruz though the general assured me that the country produced rattlesnakes i met with none whether my deviations were among the marshes or whether i strolled through the woods but everywhere was i pestered with gnats mosquitoes and chicos or garapatas had i ever the misfortune to brush with my clothes the branch of a tree or any herbage i was instantly covered with these insects the shirt of the centaur nessus that so fatal present of deinara to hercules had not a prompter or more tormenting effect than the intolerable itching occasioned by the bite of this last tribe of insects they penetrate in an instant through wool and silk and the spaniards in order to preserve themselves from the torture they occasion are constantly accustomed to clothe themselves in pantaloons of orizaba leather and boots and never venture through woods except where they cross the roads they have to pass what however is extraordinary this species of woodlouse the garapata is only found in the neighborhood of the sea the interior of the country ten leagues inland being free from its tormenting persecution these insects at first occasioned me dreadful sufferings three or four times on my botanical excursions was i obliged to pull off my breeches and boots and scrape them off me with a knife on reaching my lodgings i was used to strip in haste 
and throw all my dress into water and found full employment during a couple of hours in washing myself and separating with a penknife these insects from my skin these are truly the dragon multiplied to infinity which guards the fruit of the hesperides i had now been six weeks at vera cruz nor would my stay have seemed so long to me but for the anxious the impatient desire i nourished in the inmost recesses of my heart of penetrating deeper into the country and attaining the end of all my secret prayers not all of this delay however was thriftless as a furtherance of my designs i listened to all i heard and put opportune questions occasionally as if on a matter of indifference and merely for the satisfaction of an idle curiosity and by such means succeeded without the least indiscretion in forming conception of the measures by which my enterprise might be carried into effect one day while conversing with m de Furson on the subject of the riches of our colonies and the commerce they induced he inquired of me if we cultivated cochineal i answered in a careless manner yes certainly what replied he with astonishment mingled with vexation strongly depicted in his countenance do the french then mean to deprive us of this branch of commerce hitherto exclusively our own why not rejoined i smiling and railing him do you then fancy yourselves privileged wholly to monopolize this excellent boon of nature and in what part of santa domingo then is cochineal cultivated inquired he at fonda negra i boldly answered for having already deviated from fact i thought it improper to draw back and was at that time far from being aware of speaking the real truth and that the white or wild cochineal did indeed exist at the time at mole st nicholas but i wished to prepare resources against surprise and mistrust in case of being in the end detected in bringing away the insects at another time the major of the fleet who had repeatedly promised to show me the cochineal in the vicinage of vera cruz took me an airing with him along the meadow and proud of his rare knowledge pointed out to me on a cactus called by the spaniards tunas for the cochineal insect a sort of caterpillar enveloped in white cotton which turned out to be merely the worm of the moth which preys on the precious insect and from which i had so much difficulty in cleaning my nopals i positively denied that it was the cochineal and this mistake of my preceptor led me into a direct error i mean to say a persuasion opposite to the fact that the insect did not exist in the neighborhood of vera cruz a wrong persuasion which prevented my pursuing my search for it any further here the major undoubtedly related to don ulloa what occurred during our ride for the next day while at dinner with the general he inquired if i had not seen cochineal the day before 
i was apprehensive that this question was meant as a snare and this the rather as i fancied he was observing me as he looked in the glass before which with his back towards me he was adjusting part of his dress and assuredly if such had been the case he must have seen my confusion i endeavoured however as well as i could to compose my countenance and answered that what i had seen was not cochineal but a worm that worms were without feet and that the one which had been shown to me was long and cylindrical whereas either the cochineal must have legs and a body of hemispherical figure or the works of Linnae and of pedro gasa and hernandez both spanish naturalists who had thus described the insect deserved to be given to the flames i had scarcely escaped from the peril i have related before i had to encounter another in the course of dinner the general of the fleet offered to procure for me from the governor of mexico the appointment of botanist on board the fleet then equipping at acapulco for the purpose of making discoveries northwest of california and to insure me a salary of two thousand dollars a year with besides a thousand in hand for my equipment he dwelt strongly on this proposition and offered to present me himself to the viceroy of mexico to whose court he was about to repair by accepting this offer i must necessarily belong to the sovereign of spain as a botanist but i did not suffer myself to be persuaded by the great advantages held out to me from serving my country the hope of rendering it a service weighed with me more than the seductive offers of don ulloa i however returned him unfeigned thanks and excused myself without evincing any disdain of the proposal he again pressed for my acquiescence when i replied that having sustained no wrong having no cause of complaint against the country to which i had the honour to belong i could not esteem myself justified in abandoning it and that being a subject of the king of france it was not allowable on my part at least without his permission to dispose of my services to any other prince i added moreover that being unprepared for any such expedition i could not resolve on creating in my whole family and especially in a father who felt for me the tenderest solicitude that uneasiness which would follow the ignorance of what had become of me and where i was at last as his solicitations were still continued with much earnestness i waived the conversation and began some other topic we spoke of the paraguay tea from the description of it given to me i was unable to comprehend further than it was the leaf of some tree i asked the governor in a joking manner whether the consumption being so very considerable there was no tax on it when sold and he answered laughingly that it really was in contemplation after which solicitous of turning the conversation on cochineal 
he added that it was about to be farmed in mexico the very mention of cochineal startled me and i was upon my guard i am unaware whether my refusal had or not engendered any ill-will towards me in the general but some days after he affected to speak of botany in a very slight manner he could not conceive he said how any one could take the trouble of making collections of plants for his part had he the finest herbal in the world he should think it of no other value than to light fires with hurt at an attack so rude i looked at him with attention and warmly answered that for my part i was so unfortunate as to be ignorant of mathematics of astronomy and navigation but that if perchance a book treating of those subjects fell into my hands far from committing it to the flames i should carefully preserve it for my children or for some other person who might better than myself be capable of appreciating its value i could not observe that don ulloa felt any ways offended at the firmness of my remark nay i have generally noticed that the spaniards though naturally lofty and proud despise those who have not the hardihood of thinking or expressing themselves with becoming boldness and dignity still had i to ascribe to this conversation the afflicting consequence that though he never gave me occasion for complaint the general never after seemed to entertain the same esteem for nor confide in me to the extent i wished and that for the future i should have to place little reliance on his interest i felt the uneasiness this assurance occasioned me materially increased upon reflecting on the observation of the captain of the quarter-deck who one day dining with the general in a naive manner confessed that when a lieutenant he had been appointed in conjunction with one of his comrades to accompany the abbot de la chope on his journey from vera cruz to mexico apparently as a mark of distinction but in reality for the purpose of watching his movements and preventing his visiting the works of the fortress of pierrot in the vicinage of jalapa which were then under hand i drew as a conclusion from this with greater reason as i had come to the country without a passport from the court that i also was beleaguered with spies these i reckoned could be no other than my officers of the engineering corps and under this impression it was not without much disquiet i observed their noticing everything and ferreting every corner of my apartment however reflecting that i had had the prudence of concealing my plan from everybody and that no papers i had could betray me i became less alarmed i even passed my time very pleasantly with my fancied spies visiting them very frequently and professed great attachment to and confidence in them they told me much respecting the abbot chope de la roche they themselves had made corresponding and simultaneous observations in the province of sonora at the time of the expedition against the savages while the abbot was observing the transit of venus 
over the disk of the sun the arrival of learned men in this dull country is so remarkable that it is traditionally preserved in the memory of everybody and forms an epoch as noted as the appearance of the celestial bodies they come hither to observe a peruvian marquis whom i met with at the havana never swore by any other name than de la condamine note charles marie de la condamine seventeen o one seventeen seventy four was a french explorer who spent ten years in south america condamine was indeed generally well beloved and his departure was seen with sentiments of regret by all the peruvians this by don ulloa was not however attributed to any honourable desert in him he told me that he was a jocose character much addicted to pleasantry in his conversation and complimentary even to adulation towards the peruvians whose friendship and affection he was solicitous of captivating that at bottom he was a shallow-brained fellow full of presumption and ready to sacrifice everything to the acquirement of fame he added that he had the meanness to obtain a classical description from monsieur jusseau of quinine and robbed him thus unfairly of the honour due to him of its discovery i availed myself of the opportunity a conversation on this head afforded to learn the truth of the relation given by m de la condamine of the murder of seigneurd respecting which i had always had my doubts i consequently put many questions on the subject to don ulloa the result of which was as follows seigneurd fell in love with a tradesman's daughter who was under promise of marriage to an alcalde of the place he met a return and even more than a return to his passion but satiety cooling his warmth he fancied he could not show his gratitude towards the lady in a better manner than by endeavouring to renew the engagement between her and the alcalde now in matters of this nature the spaniards are to the full as delicate as the french the alcalde turned a deaf ear to all suggestions on that head and seigneurd threatened compulsory measures in the eri or else as ill luck would have it seigneurd went to a bullfight and was seated in his mistress's box at the instant the spectacle was beginning and the alcalde was issuing his orders for all the masks to leave the arena the father of his dulcinea obstinately determining to remain was greeted with a threshing and the daughter in the box where she was seated recognized him by his cries wrung her hands in greatest trepidation and alarm my god my god she screamed out it is my father they are beating at these words another don quixote seigneurd jumps into the arena out of the box and sword in hand cutting and pushing attempts to force a passage through the posse of officers the number of alguaciles increases and the mob fly to their assistance disorder and tumult are at their height and though the alcalde issues no other order than for the arrest of seigneurd he gets killed in the fray 
in this event there is nothing but what is perfectly natural and what might be expected from the petulance common to frenchmen and the arrogance of a young surgeon who intoxicated by a fortunate opening succeeded by the most happy success imagined in himself a right to do as he pleased with the peruvians and injure them in their very homesteads don ulloa further assured me that no one but m de la condamine would have instituted the process which followed he likewise related to me the adventure of the night passed in pinchincha by m de la condamine who out of bravado had separated from his party and lost his way and how he jeered him upon it in the morning on his reaching the rendezvous drenched with wet benumbed with cold and dying with hunger what a fine night this eh monsieur de la condamine said he what a precious page for your journal on another occasion the conversation turned to the duchess of pompadour with whom he had acquaintance when in france from the affectionate manner in which he spoke of her i guessed he was indebted to her interference for his advancement at the spanish court what however to me was far more interesting than all was his account of the affair of new orleans note this affair was then recent history in seventeen sixty two at the end of the seven years war france ceded louisiana to spain and don ulloa had been appointed governor of the territory the french colonists rebelled against ulloa and expelled him and his wife from louisiana in seventeen sixty nine his successor alejandro o'reilly crushed the revolt and executed the ringleaders End note. though ulloa might appear to me inclined to relate facts in a manner widely different from that used by certain enthusiasts the unaffected manner in which he described the rude treatment he had to endure the little animation or vivacity he mingled in his recital persuaded me that the revolution was no other than as he assured me the effect of misconduct and imprudence and that it was kindled and blown into a flame by the cupidity of the chief administrators of the affairs of the colony the revenge taken by the spanish court was not merely a consequence of the representations of don ulloa it was a merited punishment of what was considered an act of rebellion and such as in any other nation would probably have been extended to a far greater number of delinquents the general agreed that the vexation of the people at seeing themselves turned over like inanimate beings or animals sold in a market to another master in louis the fifteenth was not without foundation but then he observed as governor what had i to do with this vexation how could i remedy it or how even the king of spain himself sufficiently chagrined at being obliged to be content with so small a compensation circumstances added he alone were to blame and the hard necessity to which and to the insistence of a powerful monarch he was obliged to submit while for the new government it has not after all been either injurious or severe to those by whom it was opposed 
I have heard much fault found with Don Ulloa, but all the subjects of complaint that were alleged against him were charges of familiarity unworthy of his rank, and a shabby meanness in his domestic concerns. He has never given room for any one accusing him of injustice or cruelty, and he was, in fact, the log of fable. His excessive patience made him despised and dismissed. O'Reilly, who succeeded him, was the stork. However much amused by these narratives of the general, I never lost sight of the object I had in view. I frequently visited Don Atenas and Don Lobo, two Spanish merchants, but saw them thus often merely for putting myself in the way of hearing matters relating to my plan. End of section 6